Welcome to A Thousand and One Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future. Howdy, Ben. Hey, Nick. How's it going? I'm doing all right. Well, I really appreciate this newest book that you recommended to me, uh, which I'd never even heard of before, The King with Six Friends. Uh, this was written in 1968, so it's an oldie. Um, I'm surprised I haven't heard of it. But yeah, I, don't know how, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't know how common it was, and I'm gratified to hear that you liked it because this was one of my favorite books growing up, and I think this is one of those that you grow up and you think that this is a formative book for everybody, but then I don't know that I ever come across anybody that's, that's familiar with it. Um, I also really like the, the author, Jay Williams. He was a prolific writer. He also wrote the Danny Dunn science fiction books, children mm-hmm. like Danny Dunn, invisible boy. And I, I love those as well. And I, I did not realize until recently that, uh, that, that he had done both. So I'm really indebted to him for, a lot of the imaginative landscapes of my childhood. So I'm, I'm glad that you liked it. I would have been a little crushed if you'd said, Oh, <laughs> I know why this never, never really made it. Um, but yeah, it, and it's the, the plot of it is not the elements of it. Aren't too unusual. It's, it's about a, a King who has been ejected from his kingdom and he is seeking his fortune. And then he ends up going on a quest with companions to win the, to win the hand of a princess. So that's pretty standard fare. But for whatever reason, this was one of the first versions of that kind of story that I encountered. So this, this be, when I, when I think of what that kind of fable looks like, this is the, the first book that tends to come to mind. And I think it does it pretty well. So the, 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 the way it works is he's seen his fortune. And then as he does, so he comes across uh, these six friends but he finds them in a different shape. So he'll, he'll be walking the woods and there'll be an ax stuck in a log and the ax is saying, help, help. And he pulls the ax from the log and it turns into a man who looks like an ax. He's got an ax shaped profile or nose. And the guy says, my name's Edge. And then he, he joins uh, King Czar on, on, on his travels. And this goes through, it's an, an elephant and a, a fire and a snake and a, a tree with birds in it and a, and a, a swarm of a hive of bees that is being attacked by a bear and czar helps all these people out. And he asks all of them the same question. He says, why didn't you just turn yourself into a man? And then you could have freed yourself. And they all have different answers. The, 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 the bumblebee guy says, Oh, I never even thought about that. And the ax says, well, if I'd turned myself into a man, then I just would have been a man with my nose stuck in a log and that wouldn't have been great. <laughs> so same thing that the snake was tied in a knot. He goes, then my legs would just be tied in a knot. Anyway, they go um, and to a, a new kingdom, and the turns out the, the the princess is unmarried, and Czar applies as a suitor, but he has to accomplish all these tasks, and handily his companions and their unique set of skills come in handy because they're able to accomplish all the tasks. They, they, the the man who can turn to a swarm of bees fights off the guards. The person who can be an elephant 
is there's the assigned the task of drinking up a bunch of wine and eating a meal. And so the elephant is the one that gets to suck up all the wine. And, and then uh, they have to fetch this golden egg from the top of a mountain. And, and he's able to open the casket that that egg is in with the help of his friend who can turn into a hatchet. <laughs> so <laughs> they, they all come into play one way or the other. And at the very end of the book, um, the king or king, king czar has won the princess and the steward uh, who had, been the one sort of explaining the task to him says, but is it really fair that he gets to win the, uh, the princess when pretty much it's his friends that did all the work. And then the, the guy who turns into an elephant says, ah, but he did what a King should do. And he let us. And so that, that's the close line of the book. Does that good summary? Yeah. That anyway, so, and, and, and it's pretty funny. Like I mean, there's, there's some good throwaway lines in there. I think at one point the, uh, the father of the, the the princess points out to Zar that he, he was hoping that maybe a richer suit would have come along. And then Zar says, well, if I marry the princess, then I'll be rich. And the king says, oh, that, that's, a, that's a good point. But still, <laughs> I still want you to do these tasks. Right. In the, I like I love the uh, the first page where it talks about the the, the king um, not being a king anymore, getting ejected from his kingdom. And he says, but there's one very bad thing um, about being a king without a kingdom, which is it's very hard to find a job if you are out of right. work. Right. Yeah. Well, you're sort of overqualified for everything. And now the, right. <laughs> maybe somebody with a more revolutionary temper might say maybe he should try being something else than being king. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> Um, okay. So before we dive in, let's, can we talk about like the sort of placing this story in terms of like what kind of, what genre of like, what type of story is it? So it's, it's fantastical, right? It's got these, these, you know, fire turning into people and, um, it's an adventure story, obviously, but it's also got the kind of like a a moral to it. So is it a a fable? It, it, It also, in a lot of ways, it feels like, and I think this is the thing that resonate with me the most it felt like a myth like it feels yeah. like one of the greek myths yeah it um, feels like a, a it, fe- it feels like something out of folklore like like you know even the way that it's like the labors of hercules or or, or something yeah. like that it, but it, it seems it's like it's if somebody was trying to do a myth but or a, a fable but there's a, sort of a sly winking sensibility that, it, that it's a, i can kind of tell that it's a modern person that wrote this. It's much too ironic to be right. a straight myth or a fable. Yeah. And that's, I think that's kind of what uh, gives it its charm is it sort of plays around with these different um, forms of, of stories. And he, even the fact that the King Czar is, and that this goes to the, the last line you read, which is sort of about um, the, the king himself didn't necessarily do anything amazing, but he kind of coordinated all his friends right. to kind of help him. And he he's an odd protagonist because he, he doesn't, he he helps out people, but he's not particularly. He's not super strong. He, he's relatively clever, I guess, but he he doesn't fit the mold of a typical. Like he's not immediately admirable. Like, or, right. or at least I don't find. Did you find him that way as a kid? Like, were you like, oh, I want to be like King's art? Oh well, I mean, Maybe. he's. I mean, he's like a. He's a handsome looking dude, and people. He seems good natured, and he, he's compassionate at the very least. But yeah, sure. his. I mean, it works out for him that the people that he's almost accidentally surrounded himself with seem ideally suited to these tasks that he's given. So it's not like he has to think outside the box to, you know, how are we going to break open this, this casket? Oh, good thing. I have someone who turns into an ax. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say that one person who gets a really bad, uh, 
who, who's even as a kid, I noted this. So you would think that uh, the, the the character that Erix who can who can turn himself into a snake, maybe they would use him to to get to go through uh, I don't know a narrow place that they couldn't, or I don't know something that a snake could do that that nobody else could. But they they end up using him as sort of a, a rope footbridge. And they all walk across a, a gully. So he, he shoots across and grabs like a, a tree with his with his mouth, and they all walk across on the snake's back. And that just seems like this is not like a little debasing. Yeah, it's a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's it, and the other modern thing about it too is that it's um, it's not the it doesn't totally fit with the classic kind of hero's journey. Like he's right. a, he's only a hero cause he has really good friends, w- right. which is, there's always friend. There's always been friendship. I think in, in hero stories, but it's, it, it's, it almost inverts that. It said he's only successful because of these other people, because he's got friends and, and he has, is able to kind of lead them and coordinate them well. But it, it seems like kind of commentary on how we think of heroes. Right. Or, or protagonists, I guess, generally. Right. Yeah, and I think that uh, the in the older fables, you would like you there wouldn't be as many challenges or questions. So the, the fact that he asks the the, the various anthropomorphic uh, or the you know the, the sort of like shape shifting friends, like why didn't you just free yourself? Um, I feel like that that's the kind of common sense like question that a lot of times fables don't ask. Like, oh, that it's just the right. way it is. If you're if you're an axe, if you're a person who's an axe, you're probably going to get stuck in a log. Somebody's going to have to free you through, you know, bravery instead of just happening to be on the spot. Um, one thing where it, he does, he goes against the advice of his companions is when he unknots the, the snake and he shows particular compassion hmm. uh, to the snake, even though the snake is dangerous. And so people say, don't, 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 un, don't unknot that snake. He might, he might crush you once he's free and he, he does it anyway. And that's, that's kind of like the, Maybe the, the the lion with the the thorn and the mouse, mm. like some something like that, and that that's you 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 help somebody out even if it's a dangerous thing. That's that's kind of a right. That that's that's the only time when he really it's just it's it's less a, it is a matter of uh, compassion, less a matter of proximity. <laughs> that seems to be, you know, uh, what's working for him. He but yeah, a lot of it, it almost seems like it's something that you would teach like at a. I don't know, like a business school seminar, like on, on man, like how to, how to man, how to get the most out of your team, like a PowerPoint or something, something like that. <laughs> it does seem pretty overtly about leadership. Like it's, well, it, it, obviously it's about friendship, but it, it does kind of seem like that, like if there's a moral to it, it's, I don't know, to me, it reads more as about leadership. Do you, would you agree or? I agree. Yeah. Leadership, yeah. Leadership and friendship. Though, if I was called upon to, write a very English majory essay about this to really just mm-hmm. dive in there. And I might say that there's something about how none of these people can discover their humanity without him. And so he's the one that has to bring them, bring them literally into human form. Mm-hmm. And then they're able to become his friends. And then as his friends, then they're able to lock back into sort of their more primal elemental shape to then help him out. And so there's something about his he's he's a he's a he's something about his humanity is is what makes him like an ideal leader and his ability to unlock the humanity in others. 
That's very interesting. My English major reading on this was sort of like a commentary on art. So like he, he sort of takes these objects and he kind of forms them oh, into people. And then he, so he sort of like creates art, but then his art affects him too. Um, and, and is helpful to him. So kind of this like, uh, yeah, sort of commentary on the relationship between the artist and the artist's own creations, right? Yeah. Which obviously happens. Like as an artist, you create something, it becomes successful. It, it impacts your life pretty profoundly, right? Yeah, absolutely. Can we talk so about this, that? Speaking of art, can we talk about the the, the aesthetic of, of the book? What did you yes. think? What did you think about the, the style? Very, I mean, very distinctive to me. I, I had a hard time describing it, um, but you had a great... Well, I, so I think, and, and maybe I'll revise this. I, I think this is a little bit like maybe something out of Disney, maybe something from like maybe some of the, the tones of El Greco, like if El Greco was one of the illustrators, but not the main one, but he got to do some of the shapes, especially the guy that's the snake. He looks like he could be out of an El Greco painting. And then also there's... Yeah, but to, to be clear, this, this is like Snow White Disney, not right, like Aladdin right. Disney that's, or Yeah, Pixar that's right. Disney. Snow White Disney and... Kind of dark. Kind of dark. Grungy. Yeah, and, and, but the, and then the... And some of the characters are a little more cartoonish, so it's almost like the the scene with the guards and the swords. That's like something out of Monty Python, almost. Yes, right. Yeah, the, that's it's funny. What what do you call that? The the characters um, they they look like their um, whatever the form they were in for their animal or object form. It's like onomatopoeia, but visually. Yeah, yeah, visually, yeah. Because the, the guy the the, the Kindle, the guy who t- can turn into fire, he's freckly and very ruddy faced, and and uh, the B guy's kind of rotund, right? And... <laughs> yeah, it's, I, yeah, it, I, I, it, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm sure there's a literary you know term for 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 that kind of resemblance, but yeah, they, they, they and that's and that's part of the fun of the book too, is that like, and Jack really, so we can talk about it. Jack really likes, he would prefer to just spend all of our time looking at the book cover, which is at the time when all the characters are together and yeah. he can, he can just sort of know which one, this is the bumblebee one. This is the elephant one. This is the one that's the tree. And whenever we, whenever we read the book, we have to stop and go back and look at the cover. And then we, we kind of review who's who. Oh, interesting. So it's the, it's the character. He, he's interested in who the different characters are, and right. what their relationships are. Okay. Right. I love the cover, cover too, um, but and actually a lot of the the book does a good job. Like I think, like a lot of good books, kind of mixing kind of close up character shots, so to speak, with kind of wider sort of like landscape. panoramic landscapes. Yeah. yeah, but I really what where I think the the visual style works well is it's always you know there's something pretty clear in the foreground, but it's got this wonderfully kind of mysterious kind of like blended out backgrounds yeah. where you can kind of sort of see some things but it, it kind of like it literally invites your imagination in to say like well what is that is that a castle back there or like what's going on in the valley like right further down and that i remember as a kid maybe my like my favorite part of reading stories at least as an older kid was the maps and like looking at maps and in particular I feel like I spent all my time on the edges of the maps, right. like wondering like what's out there. So this is, okay, this is the great, the great desert. Well, what's on the other side of the great desert? <laughs> like, well, I was actually yeah. the maps of books where they, they had things that weren't covered in the narrative. So yeah. where like they, they, which I, I appreciate that they sort of, and then I could make up my own stories from like, Oh, well, this is a town that it doesn't get brought up. It's on this Island over here. 
I wonder what's going on over there. That that kind of thing. Yeah, and there's a sense of that too. You know, for some reason, and maybe it's just because I so I grew up with this book, and then I grew up with the movie The Princess Bride, and for some reason, Uh-oh. they always they remind me of each other. It's kind of the same thing that you know the kind of dashing hero on a quest to win the and he has to overcome these obstacles and then he ends up he, he encounters people and then they become his companions so he, he they start out as enemies and then they become right. his friends and then they have kind of similar swords and i don't know but whereas and, and that and that one really obviously tights. right right he had a lot of tights <laughs> and boots so similar similar get-ups um, obviously Wesley's a lot more active than, than, you know, czar sort of like hands-off management style. But. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's kind of self-conscious with its own genre, right? It's, it's sort of knows that it's writing a, a, in some ways, a typical, like kind of fantasy adventure story, but then it's playing with, with all sorts of aspects right. of that. Um, how and about the, 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 and the author of the princess bride too, he's a, he's another person that is often like he. Initially, the Princess Bride. He also did Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and so I think that idea of being able to play around with different genres and and and, and then be commit to, to to a genre, but also have a kind of a twinkle in your eye as you're doing so. I feel like that, that that's a similarity too. What do you make of the um, the King himself? Like one one of the things is for as much as this is this really is kind of a modern book in a lot of ways. There's the King doesn't seem to me to have much and i know it's a children's book but there's not a lot of psychology to the king like he's a fairly in some ways he feels like a kind of a surprisingly flat character and maybe that's on purpose because it's sort of like it's not about the one hero who kind of does everything it's about yes the king with six friends they they, they get title billing you think that's intentional that his like his deeper kind of personality or psychology is kind of obscured on purpose maybe so yeah he does seem kind of basic (laughs) in some ways (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but do you think you think that's an artistic decision? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I think it's it's be interesting to know what the this came out over fifty years ago. If there were if if people sort of the archetype of king is in stories mm-hmm. like this, there's a lot more stories with kings in them than maybe there are now. And now, if there's stories about kings, they're they're expected to be more complicated and maybe more conflicted about what it means to be ruling over people or what, it, what, you know, good leadership means. Right. Yeah. I think that could be. Um, and also it's, it's like it's sort of a, a myth or a fairy tale or a fable in that the, in some ways the, the flatness of the characters maybe allows for more um, projection by the reader. Yeah. Like you, you can kind of put yourself on it more when there isn't as much to compete with. So I wonder if that's maybe partly intentional too. And it's also, the, the book is pretty explicit. It says at one point that the, so he's a, he's a king without a kingdom, but fortunately he's, he'd learned the, the being able to, what does it say? Fortunately, as a king, Czar had already learned how to meet happiness or unhappiness with the same cheerful smile. So right. part of his kingship is just being able to put a cheerful, almost bland face on things because he has this kind of bland amiability through, yeah. through throughout. He's, he's not really flat by things. Comes across a snake. Oh, just untossed. He, he doesn't, he's never... He's never really perturbed, even though he's he just lost his kingdom. He just stays the course and sort of expects that things are going to work out for him, and, and then they do. So I don't know. If that's, that's, it's a it's a weird line too because it it nods at 
like previously there was this other story where he he experienced something and had this you know transformative kind of inner growth you know to where he learned to to be sort of stoic and cheerful in the face of right. adversity but then there's there's a notable absence of well this is my interpretation i don't know what you think but i don't think he really like does he grow or like learn a lesson or or does he like does he learn to be a better leader along the way or it kind of seems like he's already yeah a good leader yeah like well it's account. almost i mean so uh jack always wants to know what can he turn into and oh. and uh, and as i he's just a man but maybe his primal element is just that of leader so he can he can turn it on and all. I don't, I don't know. Is this, is that, is that a dumb like corner, corner reading of it that he's just, you know, all the other people, they can, they can toggle back between these two modes. And his thing is he just becomes more of a King than, than, than he was before or, or not. In, in addition to being a man, he's also able to, to act as a King. I don't know. Is that. Well, no, I think that would fit very well on this um, as a business PowerPoint presentation in that like as a, as a leader or a manager, you're you're managing technicians who are like people, but then they have very specific things that they do, right? W- which is like skills that they implement, which is like the friends, right? They're people, but they have these very specific right. functions they can kind of execute. And the, the leader's job is to coordinate them all to a particular end, right? Right. And to be fair, he we, we see another king in the book, which is the, the father of the, the princess, King Invictus the Everglorious, <laughs> who has a, the bad habit of biting his nails when, when he's anxious. <laughs> and so he just has not learned the kingly lesson of, of just putting a good face on things. And so there's, it's not, it, there's maybe more to Czar than just, he, you know, just by being born a king, he's able to do this. It was either a skill he had to learn or something that not every king is gifted with. And, and, and the, the king Invictus looks very, nervous looking and he, he's right. he's it's the only it, in terms of even uh the the king looks the most distressed of all that that picture is the most distressed of any character maybe, maybe some of the guards that are being stung by the bees don't look too happy but right but he in spite of his in spite of having a a kingdom and being rich he doesn't look happy and so zara's at least sort of found some kind of zen <laughs> yeah, which, which sort of the argument of better to be a good king without a job than a sort of not so great king with a with a job, right? right. And th- and that, but that's a weird way. I don't think it's just a funny line in the beginning about him having to find a job. Like it really, I, I suppose it, it's a quest, but it really has a feeling like no, I'm just trying to find a job, man. I'm yeah. just like I'm a king, and like I have all these skills. My I, resume, like, like I do. <laughs> go to school for this, yeah. That's a good one. I, I'm I'm excited to see how my um I've only read it a couple times to my girls, so I'm excited to see how they kind of grow into it um, or not. Maybe it'll just be me reading it a lot on my own. <laughs> have, have we talked if you about if you uh, skip lines? Like sometimes, so there's a in lot of in recap in this, so that they ask some of the same questions. Sometimes I'm gonna read this for Jack. I I definitely skip where the you know there's a part where Zar will Zar will say I I. Uh, he Zar explained it to him, and and then you know whoever it was, Kendall says, "Great, I'm going to come with you." And I said, "I'm skip those parts. Let me just go it. back to talking." This is the bee guy. This is the tree guy. This is the fire guy. This is the snake guy. Um, not a ton. I've been sort of trained out of skipping lines because 
my oldest daughter has right. a very good memory for it only takes a couple read throughs often maybe a few more with a with a longer book like this where she she will catch me if i mix up words or just she'll no dad it's blah blah, blah. um but i w- what i will do sometimes is make very minor changes like when it when there's uh, like two sentences that i think should really just be one sentence i'll just you know add an and and substitute the and in for a period and just right. make it one cuz i think it sounds better and it flows um so i will make changes like that i don't know that i skip lines there are a couple times when i I think we talked about this once where there there's this one line in some i can't remember which book it is where it it uses the it's trying to describe something as boring and it uses like math as the example oh yeah boring like oh yeah 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 i'm like no i'm not saying that like i I don't need to plant that seed in my kid's head right now um yeah well to, to be fair, I I think this is this is a good enough book to, to merit sa- savoring every word. So in this case, <laughs> in this case, it's it's worth reading in full. Hey everyone, we hope you enjoyed this episode of A Thousand and One Good Nights. If you want to learn more about this book and other bedtime stories, check out our website at one thousand and one goodnights dot com. That's one zero zero one goodnights dot com. Be sure to sign up for our monthly email newsletter to get updates about upcoming seasons and other new content. Finally, please help us out by rating the show on iTunes. This helps spread the word about the show and get it in front of new listeners each week.